Welcome to Going Public, a podcast dedicated to exploring public scholarship and publicly engaged teaching in the humanities. My name is Annie Dwyer, and at the time of this recording, I am the Assistant Program Director of a Mellon Initiative at the University of Washington Simpson Center for the Humanities. The initiative's name is Reimagining the Humanities PhD and Reaching New Publics, Catalyzing Collaboration. Since 2015, two successive Mellon initiatives by this name have supported public scholars at the University of Washington, both faculty developing new graduate seminars in the humanities with public-facing components and doctoral students pursuing public projects in the humanities. The episodes of Going Public consist of interviews with Mellon-supported public scholars after they have launched their projects or taught their public-facing seminars. Please do check out our companion website, which includes faculty fellow syllabi, as well as doctoral student fellow project overviews, artifacts, and other ephemera. The podcast, along with the website, is intended to serve as a resource for scholars interested in developing similar projects and seminars. You can find the Going Public website at www.simpsoncenter.org slash going public. You can also find the link in the description of today's episode. Today's episode, We Need to Be Listening to Graduate Students, is an interview with Lee Mercer. Lee is an Associate Professor of Spanish and Portuguese Studies at the University of Washington. And in the summer of 2016, Lee received a Mellon Summer Fellowship for New Graduate Seminars in the Humanities. And over the course of that summer, developed a course, Hispanic Film Programming and the Film Festival Phenomenon, which she taught for the first time in the winter of 2018. And our conversation explores, among other things, Navigating the gap between vision and logistics, partnering with K through 12 educators, and of course, the importance of listening to graduate students. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lee. It's a pleasure to be here. Just to begin, I wonder if you can tell us a little bit more about the rationale for your seminar on film festivals as public scholarship. Uh, why a course on film festivals? Why, why a course on film programming? So um, when I began as an assistant professor, now many moons ago, uh, the one of the things that surprised me the most was how often I was asked to collaborate on film festivals or film series or film cycles or be it within the university or beyond the university. And yes, I am a film scholar. It's something one would expect to a certain extent, but I felt really unprepared myself uh, from my own graduate training to engage in that kind of work. And I had to do a lot of quick learning uh, early on in my in my professorial career. Um, you know, how does one like dealing with budgeting and marketing and public outreach and um, questions of design and, you know, um, just general community engagement. It just had not been in any way, shape or form a part of my own uh, doctoral training. And so um, in thinking about my own, right, my, my PhD, the PhD program in uh, Hispanic studies here at the University of Washington, I knew that I wanted to find a way to incorporate some of that work and give some of that training to our graduate students. Um, and I'll just add that about two years prior to me, uh, a couple of years prior to me, running this seminar, right, designing and running this uh, graduate seminar, we had launched a new PhD program uh, in my department that very much focused on public scholarship, the public humanities, um, and uh, with a with a 
desire from sort of a core of, of faculty to have students uh, engaged more, be it via translation, be it via work in the arts. This was a course to kind of um, be, right, that would introduce that kind of training to our new cohort of PhD students. Nice. So can you say a little bit more about what kinds of assignments, what kinds of projects scaffolded those kinds of learning objectives? I felt like it was, we were on the quarter system, right? And 10 weeks is not a lot of time to think about um, students building a film festival. Um, so I encourage them to think of it as a mini film festival. And I put them into programming or curatorial groups early on, like within the first few days, right, of the start of the quarter. And they were working out consistently with their smaller uh, groups throughout the quarter to kind of screen films, uh, to contact, be in contact with local uh, film programmers who worked, right, with Spanish language film, be they from the Seattle International Film Festival or the Seattle Latino Film Festival. And those relationships that they developed with programmers working in Seattle in the field really helped them kind of hone in and find uh, films that they thought might work for our high school audience. Um, so halfway through the quarter, they sort of presented their ideas uh, for a thematic um, a film micro or mini film festival. And from that point on, having worked with programmers already and screened, right, a whole host of films in their programming groups. Then they were more meeting with uh, instructors, teachers in the Spanish language uh, program at Chief Self High School, which we had identified in Seattle as our um, kind of the perfect audience for our film festival. And so it was more about meeting with students, meeting with faculty at the high school in the second half of the quarter um, and sort of learning from them what they thought might land well with their with, with, with that student population and what the needs of that student population were. Uh, and from their students kind of beginning to tweak or massage their initial ideas thematically uh, for this film festival and the, the selections that they'd already begun to make um, around around the films that they hope to include in their festival. So that by the end, you know, after they'd done that um, big presentation, right, uh, halfway through the quarter uh, with the director of the Seattle Latino Film Festival in attendance and, you know, run those ideas uh, by him as a pro programmer himself, and then moved on to working, like I say, with students and faculty at the high school in the second half of the quarter. By the end of the quarter, they were uh, students were asked to submit a portfolio that sort of outlined what the process had been uh, for them, what they'd learned about programming, how it had changed the concepts that they they had about what it meant to study film, right, and what it meant to bring film to diverse populations. And then also um, beyond that portfolio, which would outline what films would be included. They were designing a program. They were talking about how they would market that um, festival to the, the high school students there at Chief Self. And then they were also asked to write a small sort of reflection paper that was more about what they had learned about the public humanity. Right. And sort of how their work beyond the doors of the university with programmers, with 
high school instructors with high school students had changed the way that they um, thought right about cinema, uh, cinema and media studies in essence. Mm-hmm. That's so rich. And one of the things I love about that assignment, and and I want to say too, you you actually held a film festival the quarter after the course ended. Yeah. And right. So a couple of months after um, the quarter ended, we did wind up running this film festival at Chief South. Yes. That's so exciting. So the, the teaching of a seminar on public scholarship became a kind of public scholarship project in itself. Yeah, the cohort of um, students, right, it was very much um, outlined to them at the beginning of the quarter that the hope was that by, right, uh, that this was our, um, this was our quarter to kind of design our our dream mini film festival for high school students around the topic of uh, Spanish language film. And that our goal, right, was sometime in the near future that I hoped, right, that they were kind of signing on to the idea that we would we would carry this film festival out that we had that we had programmed and students were keen to do it. I don't know if they entirely understood how much work would be involved. You know, there was some self-selection that happened, I think, in the early days of enrollment for the seminar when students saw, right, sort of the logistics of what um what would be what would be involved um and and so i was left with a very enthusiastic cohort that wanted to take on this challenge right um yeah yeah i think one of the things that's just so striking to me about the work that students did in your class is the collaborative nature of it this major assignment around developing a film festival was a fully collaborative project what was the what was the learning curve around that how did students experience that collaborative work I think it was a very novel experience for a lot of them. I mean, I I sort of um, reflected on this myself with regards to my own graduate education. It was very much a lonely, right, sort of labor of the self. You're writing your research papers, right? You you don't tend to, uh, maybe you're in community with a group of uh, scholars of the written word, right? (laughs) Mediated by text, right? Exactly. But... uh, to have to do group presentations, to work in these curatorial groups, to defend your choices, to make, uh, you know, a lot of the students commented on, I never really had to um, sort of defend myself so and my choices and um, get, get my, my colleagues, my classmates on board, right, with sort of ideas that I had. So that whole negotiation on the programming team, which was, I mean, that is what programmers experience too, right? Very rarely are people programming um, in solitude and very much defend their programming um, choices. So I felt like even though there might've been some tension and frustration in the, in the programming groups, that it was a very real world experience for them to have and kind of a necessary one. And then um, with regards to the sort of relationships that they developed both with, on the one hand, the film programmers, our sort of experts that were Skyping in or visiting our classroom, um, you know, in the reflection papers at the end of the quarter, the students commented that, that these were the favorite, you know, the most amazing voices that they heard. And that, I, that was, um, thrilling to me, right? I think that um, 
you want students to see um, the import of intellectual life beyond the university too, right? And that these folks were um, artists in a way, in, 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 the, in the way, you know, the way in which they formulated their, um, their film festivals and thought about programming in, the ter in terms of the way they were engaged with very distinct right sort of populations um in terms of their in terms of their festival audiences and that that might have changed over the course of their careers too and sort of how how they had evolved right so there was a really great back and forth i felt like between um because the students were engaged in making those choices for themselves right and their own mini festival at the same time it was incredible to have that um experience uh, in the classroom with them of the programmers and then similarly right i mean we all come generally speaking from a k through 12 education educational experience but i think sometimes um academic life in the university can feel divorced from that and i wanted i wanted students to recognize that what happens in the high school uh spanish language classroom can have an impact in the way in which we teach uh, and the way in which we think about our work uh, at the university level. And I think that came through very powerfully for the students as well. And they really enjoyed learning more, right, about K, about K through 12 education, about what it meant to inspire high school students, about what those students were going to kind of carry forward and how it might change the way they think about uh, either continuing with their Spanish uh, language learning right at the university levels. There were the typical rubs that come with working in a group setting, right? But very necessary, I have felt like necessary and productive rubs. Um, the amount of outreach that um, my, my graduate students were doing with um, the faculty and the students uh, in the second half of the quarter, they really got to know that population, I think. Uh, intimately and learn what was going to connect right um, with them and so in terms of the choices that they were making around around film programming how do you sort of foster equitable and reciprocal community partnerships but what were some of the the thoughts that students had about that work the challenges they had about that work some of the learning they did around building community partnerships most public school districts around the country has pretty strict guidelines about what kind of films can be screened. Uh -huh. um, kind of the, mor the morality uh, clause, one, one could say, around what audiovisual um, media get shown, right, um, at, at school. And so that was another negotiation that happened and, and, and a point of frustration, right, um, and a, sparked a lot of conversations, I would say, about cultural difference. Uh, because certain things that would be, you know, not even considered as as remarkable, maybe in uh, Latin American cultures or Spanish culture um, in the states, right, <laughs> might not might not have um, have as much acceptance. Um, and so that was really interesting. But you know, I would say that the students, my graduate students, quickly realized that. You know, they'd spent the first half 
of the quarter thinking about their ideals and what they wanted for the film festival and their choices and the films that they loved and what they thought, right? But once we, once we had faculty from Chief Self uh, come and talk to us, once they were in the classrooms at, you know, make it, starting to visit with students there and talk to them about the festival and what their interests were, things began, you know, started shifting very quickly. They realized, they realized that they wanted to, that their ideas were important. But I think the more and more input they had from the faculty and the students, they began to realize their ideas might fall flat. And there was great, there was a great um, sort of shift that occurred, right? When it became, it became about um, making this work for them and the, the, the power of their needs and their ideas, I think, uh, challenging some of their assumptions and, and, and different choices, right? Different programming choices started to emerge, I would say, in the second half of the, of the quarter. And I mean, I love what you said, because I think it, uh, you know, it's kind of like a vision of public scholarship where it's not just, there's an audience that you reach with your work. Right. But, um, a kind of like co-creation of a project, you know, you're engaging with your audience before that, that project is even launched. I had a feeling that things would move in that direction, but it was powerful to me to watch it play out. I mean, and I sort of, by des- I set it up that way, right? I wanted them to have some space to research the history of film festivals, to think about what it meant to program, um, to develop, you know, to establish what were their own criteria and ideas about film and what they thought would be meaningful for this audience before I threw the audience at them, right? To me, that was very productive. That worked really well, right? It, it allowed them to maybe get a little entrenched that felt like something that was really productive for them right they 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 themselves were realizing um that those shifts right that occurred once that deeper relationship was was formed with the students and faculty at the high school in the in the second half of the quarter and of course beyond right as we were putting to working to put the film festival um together yeah i think i mean that's a perennial challenge or uh, I, I, you know, not a not an obstacle, but just you know something that people who are doing public scholarship are always thinking about is how do we kind of form these ethical, these reciprocal relationships with our community partners. Um, I'm just wondering if there are other things that came up for you as you were teaching this graduate seminar. Uh, you know, challenges, difficulties, uh, things, problematics of public scholarship that that you continue to chew on, think through. In terms of other challenges, the big thing, honestly, um, was my students struggled to license the films and to deal with big corporate entities that didn't want to, right, sort of, um, uh, they were used to dealing with for-profit or bit massive film festivals. And we, we had to lean heavily on sort of the connections that we had made and the relationships that we had built with the programmers we knew, not just in Seattle, but in Mexico and in Spain. 
Um, and even in one instance, one of our programmers connected us to the filmmaker, right? Who allowed us to license the film. Yes. <laughs> Who allowed us, you know, to re then reached out to the producer and said, Hey, <laughs> you know, let these, let these guys use this film and screen this film. So the question of licensing fees and rights, projection rights, I had brought um, someone from the University of Washington libraries into the classroom early on in the quarter to talk to them about right, these matters and what um, questions of film rights and what we were going to be able to get away with and not get away with and what we would need to procure. Um, so they knew that, right? Um, but once we were actually moving ahead with the program and going to organize the festival. This is again beyond the parameters of the seminar, right? A couple of months later, it proved to be much more challenging than even I could have envisioned, right? I mean, I guess because I've always collaborated with partnered with other organizations when it's been right my myself programming off campus. Um, and so that was kind of taken care of in a way that it, you know, here it was all on us to, to, um, to make it happen. What I love about yeah. that too, though, is, is the challenges that you faced, even if they felt logistical are the challenges that film programmers face, right? So you're giving students this really authentic experience of, oh, this is actually what it's like. Indeed. So the film festival, right? And these are, these are the kinds of things you need to do and the creative moves you need to make in order to get the licensing that you need. And I think that students at, you know, at a certain point were like, I thought I just had to make the choices and design the best festival that I could. Right. And then, uh, oh, no, I think a lot of the a lot of the heart and soul are, you know, those minutia, right? But um, things that require multiple emails that might not be responded to, and then a phone call, and then trying to right reach out to someone else within the organization. And so uh, the kind of persistence and resilience um, and making sure you have an awareness of the, the sort of community behind, right? The community and the business behind film too. So yes, I think that gave them very much a real life um, experience. I, I mean, I wonder if you can just speak more broadly to how this has shaped your pedagogy, even when you're not teaching a class on public scholarship or that has you know public scholarship in the title, how has it made you think differently about what the work of teaching is? Mm -hmm. I mean, even... I would say not just the work of teaching, but I was even reflecting recently on um, since I taught this course, I've co-authored research for the first time in my career. I've written in the past two years, I've published two, two co-authored articles. I've sort of um, recognized that um, so I mean, a recognition of the power of community, um, intellectual community, I think, um, not just in teaching, but also in my own, in my own research, um, maybe a recognition of my own limitations and that I learn and grow and push myself more when I am, right, in, in, intellectual community. Um, I think, I think I spent sort of most of my doctoral experience and my early career in my silo. Right. And I think that's very common in the, uh, in the humanities, you know, 
no one was going to write my book but me right and sort of um and so I feel like something about this experience I realized that um I don't know there just is um there shouldn't be a barrier between my into my intellectual life within the university and right the incredible sort of cultural life that exists beyond the university. There just needs to be an acknowledgement um, that students are already pursuing different kinds of careers beyond academia. And if you just acknowledge that reality and the presence of those students in our classrooms, I think then um, it's a simple thing, it's a small thing, but just the acknowledgement um, of that reality, I think, already drives different kind of thinking uh, around how we design our, our classes, around the import of uh, group work, of, right, sort of community um, engagement and collaboration, recognizing um, how those skills can only, you know, benefit someone who does imagine sort of a more traditional track uh, in, in, in higher education and uh, those students who will go off in other directions, um, working for nonprofits, working in translation, what have you. I mean, to me, that's the most powerful um, thing. And so I feel like um, we need to be listening to our graduate students more who are, who are, um, who are sometimes, oftentimes more aware, right, of, of the realities, I think, of the job market than faculty. You know, I love how you are underscoring the salience of public engagement as a traditional academic even. And I think one of the things that's so valuable about that understanding of scholarship is that you eschew this kind of either or formulation of the problem of professional development for graduate students in the humanities. So sometimes it's framed as either you're preparing students for alt-act careers or careers outside of academia, or they'll become research one professors. And I think in the instance of your class, you're equipping students with skills that are relevant to a number of sectors and really shows versatile career training rather than tracking students for one potential career path or another. It's about starting a conversation and I think about listening as well, right? Really maybe putting just a little bit more weight on on graduate student voices um, within within your program. I think that is actually a wonderful way to close our conversation with your emphasis on listening to graduate students. Uh, thanks again so much for joining me today, Lee. It's absolutely been my pleasure to be here. Thank you, Annie. This episode of Going Public was made possible with help from the University of Washington Simpson Center for the Humanities staff particularly C.R. Grimmer, who is also the communications manager at the Simpson Center, our sound editor, Oliver Gordon, and of course, support from the Mellon Foundation. The Mellon Initiative at the Simpson Center, reimagining the humanities PhD and reaching new publics, catalyzing collaboration, was led by Kathleen Woodward, director of the Mellon Initiative, director of the Simpson Center, and UW professor of English. 
Rachel Artiaga, Assistant Director of the Simpson Center and Associate Program Director of the Mellon Initiative, and myself, Annie Dwyer, Assistant Program Director of the Mellon Initiative. We hope you check out additional episodes of Going Public on our website at www.simpsoncenter.org slash goingpublic and wherever you get your podcasts.